Hi team, it's that time again where I have a conversation with another kick-ass person in business. Now full disclaimer, this is not an inspirational business podcast, but you might be inspired. These aren't all going to be success stories, but they are all going to be real stories because I'm not here for the enlightened, fluffy, feel-good version of people's journeys. I want the nitty gritty raw versions. If you're a business owner, freelancer, entrepreneur, creator, or someone with a side hustle, I can guarantee you'll be able to relate to something in this episode because this is what it's really like to take a chance and chase a dream. Don't forget to hit subscribe and slide into my DMs on Instagram if you want to chat. I'm Sean, and this is not an inspirational business podcast. My guest this week is Natalie. She's the co-founder of The Daily Routine, which is a sustainable personal care brand that is on a mission to reduce and eliminate single-use plastics in our homes. We spoke about her background in paid digital marketing and how she was searching for more meaning in her career and life her passion for sustainability, and of course, contributing to a better world. She shared some insights into making mistakes and the power of learning from them, as well as how important it is to ask for help. Natalie also touched on some of the hurdles that are specific to launching a product-based business. I absolutely love what The Daily Routine are doing and highly recommend that you go and check out their products. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am absolutely honored to have you here. Would you like to start off by introducing yourself and telling us what you do? Sure. Firstly, thank you so much for having me. This is such a cool opportunity. I'm so honored to be sitting here chatting with you. My name is Natalie Herskew and I am the co-founder of The Daily Routine. It's a sustainable personal care brand. We're on a mission to reduce single-use plastic through water-soluble pods in the personal care space. Amazing. Now, I have obviously done some stalking on your social medias and your website and everything like that, and it is absolutely incredible what you're doing. Before we jump totally into that, what were you doing in your past life? What were you doing before this? Oh, my past life, maybe I was a really cool avatar or something. (laughs) But uh, no, my background is in digital marketing, um, more specifically in paid advertising. I started my career at a massive media buying agency, specifically working on big massive clients with multi-million dollar ad budgets and there was you know 50 of us working on the one account and I felt like I was just a number in a factory and you know I didn't really find much meaning in what I was doing so I thought it was time to go and explore the world and see what else was out there and I took the plunge and I wanted to go and see what was happening in the tech space and there's no better place to do that than going to the tech capital of the world, Tel Aviv. So I moved to Tel Aviv, not knowing what I was going to get myself into. And I landed myself a job at a software company working as a project manager. That was a really, really cool experience. And I was there for about a year. And then I came home and I realized that I just wanted to own my own business and wanted to find meaning in what I was doing every day. I'm naturally passionate about sustainability and contributing to a better world. So while I was trying to come up with an idea in that space, which was impossible, (laughs) I worked part-time at a not-for-profit, basically, helping to bring social enterprises and non-profits to life. I would run accelerators for CEO and co-founders of these nonprofits and help them build their businesses. And that's where I really learned, I guess, how to build businesses with meaning. And through that, it led me to starting the daily routine. Amazing. So you have a lot of background and experience in things that I'm assuming have helped you 
start your own business. What was the shift from having the idea, thinking about it, wanting to do it and actually taking the plunge? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It took a really long time. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so I always had a side hustle or I had something going on, but none of them ever really took off. They say it takes about seven failed businesses until you find the one. So I didn't quite have seven and I don't know if this is the one, but for now it's uh, it's doing really well. So I'm going to keep at it. But I think it was a bit of a progression. The daily routine is the idea that, that Ruby, my business partner, and I had originally is not what it is now. So we evolved until we found our niche and it started off as, you know, a sustainable brand, which, you know, it still is, but the actual product has developed over the years. Amazing. What are the, some of the differences between, I guess, when you started and where you are now in terms of that product and that business model? Yes. So our very first idea was a eco-friendly dry shampoo. (laughs) Ruby and I both have oily hair. Mine is much oilier, but she kind of says hers is, but it's not really. And we found that a lot of most all dry shampoos come in aerosol cans. And we know that aerosol cans are bad for the environment. And also the spray isn't that healthy on your skin. So we tried to come up with a solution for that. And then we realized the problem was actually bigger than that. The problem is not necessarily, you know, just in dry shampoo, but it's the packaging of all of our personal care items. And we realized that we used to live together and we realized that in our bathroom, especially, we were throwing away so many plastic bottles in the shower next to our sink. And so for us, we wanted to think bigger than just hair care and shampoo and dry shampoo. And we wanted to try and solve this plastic crisis in the personal care space. Eventually, we're going to solve the problem of the plastic crisis in our household and in all businesses and around the world, but we want to start small in our bathrooms. And so we then took our concept of, you know, wanting to reduce plastic and have a a zero waste personal care product in the shampoo space. And so we started to use shampoo bars. We're like, this is a really cool zero waste product. I don't know why they're not bigger and people don't use them more. Let's see why they're not using it. So we started using it And we realized that there's so much grime and they're still quite unhygienic when you leave them in your shower for so long and you can never really get to the end of it and finish it successfully without you dropping some. And it's not 100% zero waste and it's not solving that problem of a high quality product that at least I was happy to use on my hair and on my skin. So we then tried to think of another solution and we couldn't think of anything out there that was actually solving our problem. So we stayed up every night, racking our brains, trying to find a solution. And then one night we're actually doing the dishes and we threw in a little dishwashing pod into the dishwasher. And we're like, hey, this is a really cool concept. It's got our favorite liquid product inside this dishwashing pod and it's zero waste. There's absolutely no plastic packaging. So why can't we take this concept and apply it to all of our personal care products as well? And um, I guess that's how the business started. I absolutely love a story where you're trying to find a solution to something or you're even just thinking about something and it's the most mundane, normal thing that sort of triggers the moment where you go, actually, this is 
this is it. This is what we've been looking for. Uh, when you have that light bulb moment, there is no better feeling. And you no, know, we kind of sat there and we're like, why didn't we think of this earlier? <laughs> you know, we always get harsh on ourselves. But I think once we came up with that concept, we were so confident that it was going to take off is a journey and we're going to keep iterating and in a year's time it might evolve into something else but I think for now this is the problem that we're solving and and this is the product that people are wanting but who knows there will be in the future amazing so I'm assuming with looking at creating a sustainable product there is of I mean there was obviously a lot of trial and error and testing and things like that how did you find you know, manufacturers and connections and networks and and people to support you with that process? Yeah, it's a really good question. Ruby and I, neither of us have experience in the personal care space at all. Ruby's background is in product development in the food space and mine's obviously in marketing. So not only did we have no connections in the personal care space, but we had no idea what we were doing and where to even look. So to this day, we both still find it really difficult to build those relationships and to find those support suppliers. We've been working on the brand for about two years now, and I've only just found a formulator who we're going to work with long-term to formulate our products. So it's a lot slower than it would be if you know, I came from Mecca or a brand like that. But I think it's just about putting yourself out there and speaking to someone, and then that leads to the next thing and then that leads to the next thing and so on. And at the moment we're both wearing all different hats. So I guess we just have to keep doing that until we can eventually build a team who have the experience in the areas that we don't. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something a lot of people who are looking at starting a business or entrepreneurs sort of shy away from those spaces where they don't have that experience already. And I mean, your story is obviously you can still take that chance and go into a space that you you know you don't know a lot about and and obviously work and succeed so yeah i think my advice for anyone who's wanting to start and doesn't have experience in either the marketing or the product or the sales or any specific areas is just to try and then join networking groups. I'm part of a few different ones. Um, One Roof is an amazing community. You know, even that Facebook group for female founders of like-minded bitches drinking wine, like, you know, I've never met anyone, anyone on there, but as soon as I post a question on there, everyone is so helpful. So I think it's just about giving it a shot and you don't realize, but you have so many people supporting you and wanting to help you. So once you actually get started, you'll be surprised at how many people actually reach out offering their advice. Have there been any sort of surprising hurdles that you've had to overcome specifically around a product-based business? A lot, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, our biggest hurdle, so many big hurdles, but one big hurdle was when we first launched, we wanted to actually see if there was product market fit before investing in thousands and thousands of units of product. So we found, and we also wanted to move quickly and nothing like this existed in the market. So we couldn't just, you know, order something from a local supplier. We had to just search high and low for somebody who could actually manufacture what we were needing. So we only found a handful of manufacturers in China. So we ordered these pods from China and we received them and 50% of the stock we received was faulty. Now, not only as a bootstrap business did that hurt us incredibly, but because we had never worked with this supplier before and they were from China. So on top of that, you've got that language barrier. We couldn't actually successfully communicate what the problem was and get to the bottom of it. And so we lost a lot of potential revenue and 
going against everything we stand for. We had to throw away so much stock. So that was probably our biggest hurdle to date. And, you know, I would say that you can only learn from these mistakes. Obviously, you know, we've learned from that. And now whenever we order anything from anyone, we're always checking it straight away and dealing with that. But that was a big hurdle for a product business, I would say. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think, you know, being a service-based provider myself, anytime I think about product-based businesses, I'm just in awe of how you will manage to navigate, you know, manufacturing and stock levels and that whole side of things to me just seems like a foreign land. And on top of that, you've got your your warehouse and you've got your pick packings. You know, because we are a startup, managing stock levels and knowing when to reorder is difficult. And another um, interesting thing that happened to us was that we launched, we actually aimed really high and we wanted to launch in both Australia and the US at the same time. So we shipped 50% of our stock to the US, massive error because we didn't have the people power or the experience to launch a product in the US, let alone Australia. And so we had, you know, so much stock sitting at a warehouse in the US and we couldn't actually move it and we're paying, you know, warehouse fees every week. So that was another learning and we eventually got that stock out of there. Yeah, it cost us a lot and and learned a lot from that one too. It's almost like at the beginning you have those big I wouldn't even call them failures, just those big lessons where you take a chance, you take a risk, you, you know, go down a path and then, you know, hindsight is a magical thing. And after the fact, you're like, wow, that's, we won't be doing that again. Exactly. And you know what? You need them. They make you more resilient and they make you hungrier to keep going. So I think, uh, I think failures along the way are important. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So what does growth look like for the daily routine? Like what are you working on next? What's in the pipelines? Well, we have some very exciting things in the pipeline. I don't want to reveal too much because I want you all to watch this space, but we are essentially thinking about how we can improve our packaging even more to make it even more sustainable. The moment we have hand wash, we are releasing new scents and we're actually releasing new products. I'll just share with you because I'm really excited by it. We are releasing a body wash and it is a gel body wash. And it's actually going to be the very first gel body wash using water-soluble pods in the world. It's never been seen before. So we've been working on that for so long and we're so excited that, you know, we'll be able to say that we're the first. So that's happening later this year. That is Absolutely incredible to be the first of anything, let alone something that is going to have such massive impact on the planet. That is absolutely something to be very, very proud of. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. So when it comes to sort of the sustainability element of the business, what, if anything, I guess there would be things that you've sort of noticed in that space is different to standard business. It's easier and harder to sell being a sustainable product. It's easier because people want to support sustainable brands and 90% of Australians are trying to live more sustainably. So if we present them with our option, then they're willing and open to give it a shot. It is more difficult because Australians are more critical of sustainable brands. If you say that you are sustainable, then they're going to nitpick at every little thing that you're doing. And, you know, we are a startup and, you know, sustainability is a journey. There really isn't an end goal to being sustainable. And so, you know, it's just about communicating to our community that we are not perfect. We do not claim to be perfect in any way. You know, for example, our pumps 
and not recyclable at this point. We are in the process of getting, you know, 100% recyclable pumps, but it is a journey. So we are taking baby steps to get there. And I think it's just about bringing the community along with you and ensuring that they're supporting you. As long as you're authentic and you're honest, then they will be happy to support you and, and go along their journey with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, sustainability is something that is very much in the forefront of, you know, the media at the moment and a lot of people's thoughts with everything that's going on in the world. So I think it deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. A hundred percent. And I think there's so many eco warriors out there and it's amazing, but it's often to our detriment because you know, they are not forgiving when they realize something about the brand and you've said that you're sustainable. And I think, you know, there's a greenwashing. Greenwashing is basically when a brand makes sustainable claims when it's actually false. So there's a fine line between greenwashing and, you know, being authentic and actually trying to be sustainable, even though it's not 100% sustainable, if that makes sense. Like, so I think it's tough. And as long as like you have that environmental focus and you keep pushing that agenda, then you'll get there. But yeah, as I said, it is a journey and you just have to hope that your community will back that. So you've spoken about your business partner, Ruby. So you've both got different backgrounds, both got different experiences. How do you work together in business? We work really well. We just, you know, we've been best friends for five or six years now. The minute we met, we just gelled and we just get along as friends, got along as housemates. Um, We both know our roles. We know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. You know, I'm naturally a lot more assertive and I have a bigger personality and Ruby's, you know, works hard and gets the job done. And I think our skills just complement each other. Obviously, you know, we have our challenges, but, you know, we always said from the beginning that, you know, our friendship and business is separate. And whenever we're talking business, we have to leave our emotions out of it. And we have to think about what's best for the business and vice versa. We're friends and we care about each other at the end of the day and we want what's best for each other. So it's just about, you know, finding that balance. And I think to this date, we've done that really well and we haven't had any issues. Amazing. That's so great. I love talking to people that have business partners because there seems to be a running theme that when you go into business with someone, there is a an understanding of your strengths and weaknesses. And it's sort of that combination of picking up the other person and, and working together. And I mean, as someone who works by themselves, I sort of envy you all for that. I have a dog. He's not quite as <laughs> responsive as a business partner. At least he's cute to look at. <laughs> that's true I'm sure Ruby's cute to look at as well <laughs> you know what that like in saying that there are pros and cons of having a business partner I think the pros are the fact you know that you do have complementary skills and you can lift each other up when you know one's down but the cons are is you know that you have two different opinions so we sometimes get for example like designs back from our designer of packaging and Ruby will like one thing and I'll like another. So, you know, who's right? So in that sense, it's tough and you have to learn to compromise and meet each other halfway. But I think if you can have a a business partner or at least somebody to feed off, then it will definitely help you accelerate. Absolutely. What's something that you've learned along the way that you just consider completely invaluable? So many things. I have learned to, I guess, just be patient is probably my number one. I'm so hurry, 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 go, go, go. And when we first launched, we just scrambled to put together a brand and because we wanted to see if, you know, our product 
would work in the market. I rushed it so much. And now looking back, probably should have slowed down and gotten it right and built, you know, a solid brand. So we didn't have to iterate. I mean, iterating is great, but we didn't have to, I guess, rebrand and focus so much on relaunching. And I think, you know, sometimes we just want everything to happen now. For example, we've got our body wash in the works and feel like another few months away and I get very impatient but I have to you know remember that if you slow down a little bit you can I guess have a, a bit more perspective and make smarter decisions and it doesn't there's no difference between one month and three months you'll still get there and um, sometimes the time is actually of the essence as they say <laughs> yeah absolutely I think patience is an interesting one because when you are starting out at a business, you want to do all of the things and you want to get everything happening and you want it to be there and, you know, jump straight in. And I think patience is probably something that a lot of us could use right at the beginning of our business journeys. For sure. And it's so hard, you know, when you're looking at Instagram and you see it only increasing by, you know, 20 people a day, it, it can be, you know, quite disheartening. But I think, you know, you have to look back on where you were a few months ago and see how far you've come. And, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to work hard and move quickly and we don't often stop and realize how much we've accomplished. So I think patience is inevitably what keeps us going and avoids burnout. What does sustainability mean to you? trying your best to have a positive impact on our planet. And I think for me, my internal mission is to help others contribute to a better world. You know, I'm not saying that you need to live as an eco-warrior and you need to live in a completely zero-waste household sustainably, but I think if you can make small changes in your life, then you are living sustainably. You're making an effort to save our planet and make sure that, you know, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are, are alive and, and healthy and um, our oceans are, are clean and so on and so forth. And sustainability is a mindset, really. I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, we've sort of touched on the eco-warrior genre, <laughs> but I also think there's a lot of almost pressure that people feel like they need to be doing all of these things to be sustainable and, you know, stop doing shopping fast fashion and, you know, no more plastics and recycling and composting and this and this and this. And I think what you just said there, you know, just making one small difference in your household can have a lasting impact. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's almost like, cool to be sustainable and everyone wants to one-up each other on, you know, what they do and the cool aluminium straw that they're using and, you know, their new tote bag that they're, that they're taking to the supermarket, which is great. And I think it's only positive, but, you know, we, we shouldn't get caught up in, you know, trying to um, do everything at once. And I think that if you can just make that small step, you know, if it's not natural for you to live sustainably, that's okay. Just make an effort and you'll feel better. And once you make that small step, you can make another one and it's a positive cycle. There's also so many apps that you can download that can help you track and, and monitor your sustainability efforts and if you can use something like that, then it can almost become, you know, gamifies your life, <laughs> your sustainable sustainable life. Um, and look, I mean, I'm not perfect either. Like I, you know, I, I still sometimes like to go to, you know, Cotton On and, and H&M and these fast fashion brands and I shouldn't, but we are humans and we're not perfect, but, you know, we, we can definitely do better even if it is a small step. I'm going to start our rapid fire questions because although they're called rapid fire, they're not rapid at all. 
I hate being under pressure. So <laughs> no, there is absolutely no time limit on this. I had a guest that every question was about a 15 minute answer. So we have plenty of time. Uh, so the first one is what is a fundamental value that you've woven throughout everything that you do and why is it important to you? I'll choose one. I've actually got them on a sticky note on my computer. I, they're constant reminders to me. And I think it's important to uphold values. Before I say it, I actually heard a LinkedIn session last week and the co-founder of Flora and Fauna actually said the first question she asks when she interviews someone are what are your three values? And from that answer, it really determines whether she wants them in the business or not. So I think values are so important. And I would say mine would be transparency. I think everything I do is about being honest, authentic, and transparent, no bullshit. And as I said, you know, we are not perfect as a brand. I'm not perfect as a human. And as long as we're just communicating that, then I think that that is an important thing to uphold. What are your other two? (laughs) Well, my other two would be, well, personally or or business values? Either or, both. (laughs) Um, Okay, personally, um, mindfulness. I think I'm all about being in the present and just um, doing everything, decision and every action I'm making, um, you know, being mindful about that and, and trying my best to um, not think about what's next but being in the present. So personally that would be one for me. Another one would be health and health and wellness. You know, I think when you're physically and mentally healthy at your happiest and I think it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to achieve but I think persistence is um, is important there and I think it pays off in the long run. So that would be my personal ones. Business, I would say community. I think community is for us, it's everything. I don't care about trying to get new customers. That's not my focus. My focus is nurturing the people who have purchased from us and who, you know, actually want to use our products. So for me, building that community and listening to our customers is everything. And I would say my third one would be impact. So making sure that we're having a positive impact on people's lives and on our world. Incredible. They're all such good ones. (laughs) (laughs) What is your core motivator? What keeps you showing up? I think knowing that I am providing a solution to people's problems, I think the number one motivator for me that gets me out of bed is that purpose and that meaning. And I, you know, when I was working in my early 20s at at this marketing agency, I would wake up and I would love what I do. I think I, I had so much fun. The culture was amazing. I had so many friends, but I didn't have that meaning. I was lacking that purpose. And now I can really wake up every day and it doesn't feel like work. I love what I do. It brings me so much joy. And I think that when you find that sweet spot between finding meaning in what you're doing and solving a problem for other people, then, you know, it really can't get better than that. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? It's be in a space where you get to help people love what you do and make an impact. It's hundred percent, a hundred percent. Was there ever a time that you wanted to walk away? Absolutely. (laughs) All the time, all the time. It is really challenging. I'm not going to lie. I think we glorify having your own business and having a startup and all these things, but it is 
so challenging. There are so many times where I I do want to give up and I feel despondent and don't want to keep going. But I think, you know, at that point, you you walk away from your desk, you go get fresh air, you know, I go for a run or I listen to a podcast and you come in fresh. And I think that that's just the nature of life. And no matter what you're doing, your life is a roller coaster. So if I wasn't doing this, it would be another job or another thing in my life that I'd want to walk away from. And I think resilience and pushing through those hard times are what kind of separates the businesses that succeed to the ones that don't. Yeah, that's definitely a theme with everyone I speak to. There's all those sayings, if you're in it for the money, you'd work at McDonald's or, you know, all of those sorts of things, because it's not easy. And it and it is a roller coaster of, you know, emotions and experiences and all types of things. And the people that, you know, push through and persevere and and come out the other side are the ones that are driven by purpose and they're driven by a passion. And, you know, it's more than just making money or, you know, creating a job for yourself. There's always something on the other side of that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent agree. Well, you did kind of touch on it in that answer, but what is your go-to remedy when you're having an off day? <laughs> yeah. So I love running and I feel like it always clears my head. I also love listening to podcasts and I, I don't really care what I'm listening to, but I do find for some reason when I'm listening to a podcast, I it allow it frees up space in my mind and it allows me to focus on, I guess, where I want to take the business and think about the business at a you know bigger picture. And so of course I love your podcast. I just started listening to it. <laughs> so well done. But I just think that, you know, listening to other people speak about business and their learnings and their successes is really inspiring for me. And it kind of reignites this drive in me that I often need. I think, I mean, I'm a murder podcast kind of person, but I've actually just started listening to business podcasts, which sounds ironic considering I have a business podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But I think the one thing that I always get from them is it's almost like a validation of my experiences. So, you know, knowing that other people are going through things that I've been through or, you know, how they navigated the roller coaster that is business. So I, yeah, also find them extremely helpful. You know, having your own business, it, it you know, it is Ruby, myself, and we have a marketing coordinator, and it is just the three of us, and it can be quite lonely. You hit the nail on the head when you do listen to other people's podcasts. You do feel like there are other people in this, and kind of gives you that that push you need to keep going because there's so many other people out there in your position going through the exact same thing. I also feel like you've probably answered this question already as well. But what is something in your business that you're really proud of? I'm proud of the community that we've built. We have a community of over 20,000 people across all of our platforms and emails. And we have, you know, our returning customer rate is 70%, which is very high for an e-commerce brand. So I'm proud of that community that we've nurtured and our customer service is something that we take so, so seriously. Every answer is, you know, thought out and customized to the person who's emailing us. So, you know, that is the most important thing when building a brand. Otherwise, we would have just gone onto Amazon and sold our products through there. But I think if you want to have a long-lasting brand, you know, not even a business, a brand, then your community and the people backing you is everything. And if you can build that successfully and bring them in on the journey with you, then um, yeah, you should feel proud of that like we are. What is the big dream? The big dream the big dream is to live on an island. <laughs> no, <laughs> the big dream, we want to be in every single household around the world. We want our every 
plastic bottle you see in your home. We want that to be replaced with a daily routine bottle in your bathroom, in your laundry, in your kitchen with all of your cleaning products. Um, So we're going to expand beyond personal care and, and take over the household entirely. And so that's our big, big dream. Look forward to seeing your products on my house. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. What is a resource tool or system that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? It's a really ugly looking website. It's called Tudu. It's so basic. Spelled T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X, French, I would assume. And it's literally a planner. You pay $24 a year for a subscription, so it's dirt cheap and I cannot live without it. It basically helps me plan my day and my week and every single idea I have is thrown into this board and I think planning is really the key to running a successful business. Every day I spend about half an hour planning my day. Every Sunday night I spend an hour planning my week, including you know my exercise and even to the point of my social life almost, because I think that you need to plan, otherwise you get caught up in the nitty gritty. And so if you are looking for a good tool, they haven't paid me to to say this or anything, because when you look at it, you'll see how basic it is. But yeah, check it out. It's really, really cool. I'll link it below in case anyone wants to have a look. (laughs) What is a hot tip about your industry that people might not know? I spoke about greenwashing. Make sure that you read the labels and then go home and do your research. I can tell you a random fact that 80% of personal care products are made up of water which is a lot. So what this means is that when you're buying a product that is not ours, you are essentially buying 80% water, which is not good for our environment because we are pointlessly shipping water around our globe, which is a waste of carbon emissions. And on top of that, it is a resource that comes out of your tap at home. So it is, you know, a lot more efficient for you to just add the water yourself from your tap. So that is something to keep in mind when you're thinking about your personal care products. See if you can get concentrated or as they say, just add water products to replace your your current ones. Well, I definitely did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't know that either until we started and we're like, holy crap, this needs to be solved and people need to know about this because this is sad that we don't know about that. So it's so interesting because I feel like, I mean, personal care products is something that literally everyone uses. In some capacity, there is something in your household that is a personal care product. And I would assume that very few of us actually know what's in it, what the process is of how it's manufactured, how it's shipped, anything like that. You know what? It's really hard to know often. So, and brands often, you know, they don't reveal all that much. So that's why I think where possible supporting sustainable brands is your best bet because they're going to more often than not be authentic and transparent and tell you exactly what their process is. Once again, it may not be perfect, but you'll be very well aware and you'll be, you'll be able to make an informed decision. Whereas, you know, when you're buying supermarket products, um, there is so much greenwashing and there is so much that you don't know. Yes, it's cheap, but there's a reason why it's so cheap. So, you know, you have to think about that when you're thinking about, you know, what products you're, you're using. And that is everyone's hot tip for the day right there. (laughs) (laughs) Go home and read the labels. (laughs) Absolutely. If you could go back to the beginning of your business journey to you and baby Ruby, (laughs) what would you say to you two or to yourself? 
I would say don't quit your job until you're 100% confident that you can succeed and that, you know, you can even be on a salary, actually run the business. I think we worked on the brand for about a year and a half before Ruby is still actually working and I'm working on the business almost full-time now. So we're both still not full-time in it. And I think it's really about like finding that sweet spot between knowing when you can dive right in to knowing, you know, when you need to just keep going on the side until it's a a bit more sustainable and it has legs to, to carry itself and carry you along in it as well. So I think I would say at the beginning, you know, I was so eager to quit my job and to dive into it. And I did do that. And I think I did it too early. So I'm now freelancing and and consulting on the side in all things paid advertising. If anybody out there needs some um, assistance with their Facebook ads, I'm here to help. That was a really big um, learning for us. And I probably, you know, would have taken my own advice of being patient on board and um, yeah, would have stuck by it for a bit longer with a job on the side. I think there's an expectation that people, you know, do dive straight in and they go, you know, well, if I'm doing it, I have to go all out and do it. But there is also an element of, you know, you have to be realistic. You know, do you have bills to pay? You need to eat, you need to pay your rent, your mortgage, whatever that looks like. And there's nothing wrong with holding out and, you know, doing the side hustle and, even once you get into full-time business, if you have to take a step back and, you know, pick up freelancing work or a part-time job or something like that. And I think that's something a lot of people don't talk about. I went through this experience about a year and a half ago where I was feeling a lot of guilt and shame around looking for a side hustle inside my job because (laughs) I needed to find that financial security and like regather that for myself. Um, And I felt a lot of shame and guilt around it because no one was talking about it. And Mm -hmm. since doing this podcast, I've had multiple guests say, if not, they've either gone back to work, they, you know, held out their part-time job for a lot longer, things like that. And I think it's something people need to talk about. A hundred percent. And look, there's no right answer, you know, and that's why I think there's, you know, it's so hard to know what the right thing is to do. And there's also so many different ways that you can go about it. You can do, you know, try and raise money at the beginning if you think that, you know, you can successfully do that so that the money you raise can cover a salary for you. And I think that is a really cool option if you can go down that path. Or, you know, if you want to give yourself six months of no income and put a budget together and actually stick to that, if you can do that, then that's fantastic. I think though with a, in a product business, it's really challenging because, you know, you have to pay for stock. So Ruby and I injected so much money into the business at the beginning as well. So that on top of, you know, not having an income would have been just too much for us. So I think you just have to like do what works for you, but also you don't have to make any decisions so quickly. Like I think the best thing to do would be to stay in your job, you know, find a rhythm or find something that works for you and then make that decision because if you get over it or if the business fails or, you know, for whatever reason, it's not what it was six months before, then um, at least you've still got that job security. Absolutely. And there's no shame in it either. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Especially if you have skills and talents that you can fall back on. That's also very helpful. (laughs) Exactly. Fully. People need to put themselves out more. And yeah, I think there's so many skills out there that we can offer and that people need. It's just about connecting those people. Absolutely. So where can people find you online? 
via our website called thedailyroutine.co. Perfect. Of course, it will be linked in the description so everyone can find your website, your social media channels and everything else. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for anybody listening right now? I would just say that if you're listening and you are on the cusp of giving it a go and you're hesitant, I would say just go for it. The hardest thing about a business is starting. And once you get over that hurdle and you've started, then, you know, pat yourself on the back and keep going because you have done the hardest part. So it doesn't matter if it's not perfect, doesn't matter if it's not 100% where it needs to be, just give it a shot, get out there, and um, you'll be surprised how well that you can do. That's incredible advice. And it's so true. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute pleasure to hear a little bit about your story. Like I said, I will link everything in the description so everyone can find you and yeah, go out and buy some sustainable products, people. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your own story or tell us what you think of this one, feel free to head over to Instagram and slide into my DMs. By the way, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. I know I say this every time, but seriously, my next guest is kick-ass.